The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. When life hands you a unique shift, what happens next? The gift is the shift. Welcome to The Sky's the Limit with your host, Karen Levitt. In our program, you will hear from people who have discovered the gift, whether through personal experience or those that are helping others through this experience. You'll find the next hour to be a motivating and encouraging one. Now, here is Karen Levitt. Hi, everyone. Thank you for joining me. Tonight is a great show. I have the uh, great honor of being joined by Gina Springhauer. Gina is a daughter, an athlete, a lifelong athlete and tumbler and a college graduate, and in, on that note, I would like to welcome Gina Springhauer. Welcome, Hi, Gina. Hi, Karen. Thank you so much for having us. We're so excited oh, to be here. You're absolutely welcome. It's my honor and privilege. I'm thrilled to have you here. And um, on that, you know, I'm just going to jump right in. So I was going to ask if you would like to share with the audience and the listeners a little bit about yourself. Sure. Um, well, as of now, I'm 29. <laughs> I don't like to admit that too often, but uh, my whole life, up to 21 years of age, I was, um, like you said, an athlete. Uh, in high school, I was involved in basketball, volleyball, tennis. I was on the dance team. I was in dance class, um, and my love in life was tumbling, and I've been doing that. Uh, if you ask my dad, he had me walking on my hands before my feet when I was an infant, so I've been doing that since I was an infant, basically, um, and that was pretty much uh, my drug in life. That's that's what I did on bad days and everything. Um, and then I went to college at Wayne State. I uh, kind of got out of the organized sports and just did some intramural type stuff, just fun stuff, but kept active and actually opened up my own tumbling studio, um, branched off of my dad's, and was running my own business in college. And so by the time I was 21 years old and a junior at college, I was um, successful in school and a business owner and a successful one at that. I had roughly probably 50 to 70 kids, uh, depending on the season. Um, So I was doing absolutely wonderful. And then my whole little perfect life kind of changed on me a little bit, and I ended up getting into a car accident. That left me that's paralyzed. Why, that's what I wanted to ask you. Sorry, Gina. That's what I wanted to oh, ask okay. you. Yeah. Uh, no, that's right. Yeah, I just want to, if we can, go back just a bit, because I think most people will know you from the infamous, you know, six or seven minutes you've done the last year, um, yeah. you know, on numerous TV shows and news programs. And um, you were known or featured as the Paralyzed Bride. And, um, you know, that is incredible, and it's newsworthy, yes. And you are much more than that. And that's why you're here today, and I'm thrilled to have you. So with that, um, I wanted to go back a bit, if you could, with, you know, with me. And I know when we've spoken a number of times, you shared with me, it all really began with, um, two, you, as you put it, two good kids in your decision. So could you share that with the listeners and give them some insight? Yeah, for sure. Um, it was, it's funny because the, the judge actually 
said that the day um, that we were in court after all this happened. The judge said it was just two good kids, both made bad decisions, um, and we each kind of deal with it differently. And what I mean by that is um, I chose to get into a car where there wasn't a seatbelt for me um, or a seat, and I sat on the lap of a passenger, and the driver had been drinking, um, and we um, we were driving, and honestly, he was driving 100% fine. Um, and then I kind of started complimenting him on his car because it was a really nice car. <laughs> and um, we were going uh, down this um, town street, which the speed limit, just as an idea of reference, was 25. And at the point of our impact, they clocked us going about 80. Um, so what happened was this was a straightaway with a, a right turn at the at the end of the road, and we went to take that right turn, and we were in a small little crossfire two-seater car. Um, like I said, I was on the passenger with my back to the window. I was on his lap, um, and went to take that right turn, and we didn't make it. We jumped a curb. Um, that's pretty much the last thing I remember is jumping that curb, and that first curb we hit um, a wooden light post, and we cut that in half, and it spun the car around, um, and that hit... We jumped another curb and hit a cement-filled fence post, and that caused the back tire to pop, and the car started flipping. Um, they say I flipped two or three times. I don't remember that. Um, and then I was ejected. I also don't remember that. Uh, next thing I know, the car, um, I woke up face down in the dirt. Uh, my right arm was underneath the car. It had landed kind of on my side, which is a miracle. Usually it catches up to the person and that was ejected and, and crushes them. Um, but then for some reason, it just stopped on my, on my arm. Um, I could move my right arm. Um, I could feel the passenger's fleece jacket. Uh, my right leg, I'm, I'm still unsure of where that was. And my left leg was in my chest, and I'm face down in the dirt um, and really didn't understand what was going on. Um, I, I, I woke up first. I was conscious for uh, for everything after that. I remember everything after that, but um, definitely was a day that changed my life. <laughs> and the two young men that were in the car were they? May I ask? Did they were they okay? Or you know, I mean, obviously sustained injuries. I would imagine, but yeah, um, I don't have much contact with the passenger. Um, I, I I know they both are fine. Um, they they walked away with bumps and bruises, um, but they also both had their seatbelts on, so that, that kind of saved them. Um, the driver I do have contact with, um, and he was extremely sorry for what happened. Um, you couldn't fake the emotion that he gave to me and my family um, when the judge asked him if he had anything to say. He had some other issues, obviously, come of that that weren't physical, but he was physically okay. Mm-hmm. And I know the time we've spent, like I said, talking and getting to know each other, and it's been wonderful. You shared with me that you um, had, had a fear, a big fear, and um, and if you'd like to please share that with the listeners because it's impactful relating to the to the experience or event, your accident. Absolutely. Um, I, it's funny because I about two weeks before my accident, um, I had had this discussion with one of my friends, and... I, I sit Indian-style a lot everywhere, in the car, in my chair, anywhere I'm sitting, I was Indian-style, and I was sitting in my friend's car, and I said, you know, my biggest fear in life is um, 
getting into getting something happening to me and I lose my legs and I'm not able to tumble anymore. Um, and I was sitting Indian style when I said that, kind of thinking if I were to get in an accident with my legs crossed like this, I wonder what would happen. And I told him that, and then two weeks later, um, I'm living my fear. And the the thing about it is that whole night, uh, the night of our accident, the, by the time the paramedics got there, um, they were asking me my name, if I knew where I was, um, and I was answering all their questions very calmly, but my only question to them was, will I ever tumble again? You know, I wasn't worried about walking or anything else. And granted, walking is kind of a big ingredient in the tumbling recipe, but <laughs> I wasn't too focused on walking. I just wanted to know if I'd tumble. And nobody, mm-hmm. nobody was answering. Nobody would tell me the truth or, or would say anything right. about it. They just and we're, un- we're unsure. We don't know what your, you know, your injuries or the extent of it. Um, so I was... That was my biggest thing, and, and now, you know, I'm living my life, living my fear, one of them, anyways, um, and, and kind of conquered it, I think, in my, in my heart. Yeah, you're face, you, you know, you're definitely facing it head-on, so to speak, and I was going to say, or going to ask, actually, next, if, you know, when you woke up in the hospital and then you learned the extent of your injuries and your diagnosis, what was it like for you? What were your thoughts, and, you know, what, what was running through your mind, like you said, related to your biggest fear and everything? Right. Um, I, I woke up in ICU, um, after my parents finally got up there, they put me in surgery. I woke up in ICU, um, and I was just surrounded by family and friends and loved ones. And it was just, it was incredible. It was actually, it was very easy for me to smile because I was surrounded by such familiar faces. Um, and I really honestly didn't even figure out that I I couldn't move my legs. I I hadn't even thought about it at, at that point. It really wasn't until probably two or three days later um, I was mm-hmm. fitted for a, a brace. It's called a, I think it's called a TLSO. I call it a turtle shell because <laughs> I feel like a turtle when I was wearing it. Um, mm-hmm. But I was fitted for that, and so I could finally do something besides just lay there in a bed. I could sit up for the first time. So I got my brace on, and I... You know, they moved my legs to the end of the bed. Still, I'm not even comprehending that I can't, I didn't do that myself. Somebody moved my legs for me, and I went to sit up. Um, And so I'm paralyzed from the belly button down, so I can't feel anything below there. And the minute I sat up, I literally fell straight back (laughs) to my back, um, but right onto the bed. And I remember that at that point I was thinking, oh, dear, (laughs) this this Mm -hmm. is a little bit more serious than I, you know, I can't feel my legs. I can't feel my bottom. I can't feel anything. I don't have any any abs to hold myself up. And um, that was kind of the realization for me that this was um, a little bit bigger than I guess I had even begun to think about. You, you know, you're just dealing with so much at that point, just healing and, and everybody coming mm-hmm. in and they're always talking to you and, and visiting with you. You don't even really take a second to think about your, your current situation. Um, but the minute I sat back up and had some help, I told everybody, all my therapists, all my nurses, all my doctors, the one thing you need to do for me is to get me back into that gym. I have to be tumbling. You know, whether or not I'm teaching mm-hmm. or doing it, that's what you need to be working with me on. That's my biggest right. goal is to be able to tumble and be in that gym again because it's my happiness that makes me mm-hmm. that makes me whole. You, you say that... Um tumbling and being in the gym gives you the high and you, know, you feel like you're flying and I can totally understand that being an athlete and a runner I have a high you know from running and 
equestrian sports as well, so I can relate to that. And I know we talked a bit, and you shared um, there was a real moment for you three months post-injury and accident uh, where you said you were noting, or your therapist and doctors were noting you had minimal progress. And I wondered if we could talk about that that point in time uh, in your life. I know you, you said they were, you know, being cautious and holding, being very optimistic with you. And somehow I think in your gut you shared with me that you had a, a knowing or, or you wanted to know. You wanted people to be straight with you. So I wondered if you would enlighten the listeners and share with them what that, you know, that time frame. For sure. Um, it was. It was about three months into it, and I had, you know, no gain of anything. I wasn't getting any tingling sensation. I wasn't getting any movement of anything. Um, and I I told uh, my mom and my dad both that I have to ask the doctor a question, and, and I'm a firm believer in never asking a question you are not prepared to hear the answer to. So um, my parents and I went in and talked to my rehab doctor, who what is and always has been amazing um, and very, very um, understanding and, and supportive of my decisions. And I went in and I said, Doc, I need you to be honest. I don't want you to sugarcoat anything. I'm ready for your answer. Um, have you ever seen anybody in my position with my level of injury, with my gain, you know, lack thereof gain, I guess, of, of progress, have you ever seen anybody walk again? And mm-hmm. he kind of put his head down, <laughs> and then he looked up at me and he said, you know, Gina, no, I haven't. And at that point, my mom and I, and probably my dad, he was kind of sitting off to the side. I, I didn't see it, but we both just instantly put our heads down, and he said, but prove me wrong. And if you do, I'll take you to Italy and buy you the biggest plate of pasta you can find. <laughs> and oh. <laughs> it was just at that moment, it was like, you know, I, I my heart kind of sunk a little bit, and it, and it was. Mm-hmm. We went home, um, we went home, and and it was like somebody had passed away in our family for the next three days. Um, me, my mom, my dad, we didn't say much to each other. You know, I was kind of down or whatever. And I remember on that third day, um, I was kind of getting up, and mom came in to check on me, and she sat down on the edge of that bed, and I said, you know, mom, he's right. He's not giving up hope. My doctor's not giving up hope. There's no reason why I can't walk again. Um, that this is I, I, I don't have time to sit here and mope about not being able to walk again. I have to prove him wrong. There's a big plate of pasta on the line for me here. <laughs> this is amazing. And um, and so from that point on, it was just don't let anything stop you, you know, and kind of mm-hmm. my wedding day was kind of my way of proving him wrong. Now, I don't have a ticket to Italy or anything being waiting for me or anything, but um, I may not have walked alone. You know, I may have had braces and, and a forearm crutch and, and my dad, but I still was mm-hmm. able to walk. So, um, you know, it's just yeah. one goal down and many more to accomplish, but that's one right. down. <laughs> and I want to I talk about that moment because it's, you know, highly publicized. You can see it on YouTube. You know, you're on um, a well-known TV talk show interviewed, and like I said, Many, as you well, many news channels as well covered that, and I would like to talk that the nurse in me and the athlete. Um, I understand the difficulty it takes to walk and on this Canada crutches, and I wondered if you would share it because you know every bride has nerves on their wedding day. I mean, <laughs> you always wonder, right? You're, you're a nervous wreck. It, it's, yeah. it's your day. It's your day. It's your your fairy tale. You know. That's what we dream of, and you overcoming 
all the obstacles you have. And, you know, relearning to walk despite what the doctor said. You know, in in your slip, and I saw the video, it's very moving. And in the Canadian, on the Canadian crutches, I, I just wondered if you could, could enlighten the um, listeners what that's like, the, what was involved. Yeah. Add that on top of it. Sure, thank you. Yeah. Um, it, uh, it was definitely, it didn't start off with forearm crutches. And to be honest, I didn't, um, I didn't ever plan on, on having just a crutch. I thought I would for sure have to use a walker. Um, that was pretty much my goal. I, I just want to be able to do it with a walker. I, I wasn't sure um, how I was going to do it any other way. Um, but it was, it started off as just, um, walking with a walker um, after being stretched out, you know, months of being stretched out and everything, there was a lot that led up to being able to just walk um, to that point. Mm-hmm. And then once I got really good with the walker, they were like, well, maybe we should try a couple forearm crutches. And I had never used those before ever. I didn't even know how to use them. I mean, it's a technique to use those things. Mm-hmm. And uh, they... Um, we tried it for a little bit, and we practiced. We got married outside in the grass downhill it was uphill so I, I kind of went down a little bit if <laughs> we can go downhill um mm-hmm. so we were practicing in these two forearm crutches outside this hospital you know um in this makeshift wedding dress I probably look like a total dork but <laughs> we had purpose um and finally I figured out the double crutches and I said you know what would be really neat is if I could do one crutch and use my dad his arm as the other crutch so Essentially, we look, quote, unquote, normal, you know. It's just Mm -hmm. dad and his daughter walking down the aisle. Um, And so we spent, oh, goodness, I don't even know if I could tell you how many months, at least, oh, at least a year, just focusing on just that, Um, Mm -hmm. just dad and I walking with a forearm crutch. And it took... It took a lot of patience, um, and there was hard days. Don't get me wrong. There were days where I simply just ask myself, is this ever going to happen? Is this going to work? You know, is that my dad struggles with a few, you know, um, physical issues also that kind of, you know, made things difficult for both of us, you know, each of us. Um, mm-hmm. So it was, uh, it was a struggle and it, there was, it wasn't all beautiful. <laughs> you can ask my husband. He, he saw many nights where I just came home and I was angry or I was crying or, you know, but, um, I don't I don't mm-hmm. deal with failures well. <laughs> I don't deal with right. being my goal or meeting my goal, um, which is why mm-hmm. we didn't tell anybody. We didn't tell a lot of people, close family and friends. We told that I was walking down the aisle, but I didn't want to disappoint anybody in case it didn't happen. So we didn't tell a lot of people. So the majority of our guests were surprised that day when mm-hmm. everything came together. And we made it. We didn't walk down. We walked down the aisle, and we didn't fall on our face. So... <laughs> It was yeah. a successful day in our books. <laughs> You're a beautiful bride with their fa- with her father, and um, Thank you. you know, so absolutely, you're welcome. So overall, you know, the whole experience. How how did that change you? And do you think, or did it? As far you, as the accident, the accident, yeah, and you know, then your friends and family, the relationships. Did you know? Did it change you? Your outlook, your attitude, and um, you know, did that? Did the accident? change your your relationships with friends and family absolutely i think um my family and i have always been very close we're an italian family um it's always i mean i I, we would do anything for each other so it's only 
gotten us closer to to each other, that's for sure. Um, I have made some amazing friends just as a result of being in a chair that I would have never met otherwise, and, and they're crazy inspirational. I mean, they're my, my fuel for, for me to keep pushing is because of the things that they go through on a daily basis. Um, mm-hmm. It definitely changed my outlook kind of on life. I mean, I was always a happy, bubbly person anyways and didn't have a lot of anger in her heart, but um, life is too short, I think, to to hold all that anger in or to be mad at one certain person for something that's maybe not that important. So it's um, I'm a lot I'm a lot more I guess a lot more willing to to accept things that maybe I can't change um, mm-hmm. or people that I can't change and just kind of deal with it that way um, and to take every life as, or every day as a gift because some people don't have a tomorrow and and I was given many tomorrows and I'm continued to be given tomorrows so I try to to use every day as a new one and start fresh if yesterday didn't go so well. <laughs> I know that when we, you know, have talked and it's been a while, and like I said, I've really enjoyed getting to know you, absolutely. One word that came up for you over and over was forgiveness, and I think that's a really big piece for you. You, And I don't know if you'd like to share that with the listeners. Forgiveness is key for you. It is. Um I think, and, and and the driver of the accident, I, I can't tell you how sincere he was when he was given the opportunity to speak to me and my family. Um, you can't fake emotion that he had like that. And when he did that that day and the words that he said to both me and my family, I have never felt weight lifted off my shoulders like I did that day. And it was very easy for me to move on and get past that point because he was so generous about it, um, if, if that mm-hmm. makes sense. It was just, it was very easy to accept, you know, and I'm not saying every day is easy to accept. There's many times, even still, you know, almost eight years later where I think to myself, man, this would be a lot easier if I had legs or, God, I wish I had my legs so I could do something, you know, but mm-hmm. it mm-hmm. it would have been a lot worse if I hadn't had that little spot for him and he just kind of lifted everything because he wasn't blaming me and he wasn't pointing fingers, you know, and, and all of that. He was just very sincere. And like I said, the judge said it great. Two good kids, two bad decisions, and we each deal with our decision differently on a daily basis. And so um, forgiveness is definitely, there's, there's not enough not enough time in this world to not forgive people. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And, you know, you, you brought up a good point. You said, you know, people weren't viewed you or your attitude may be a little different to you since the accident and being in a wheelchair, I like to go there because, you know, we see someone in a wheelchair and we we, we got, you have to look down because that's the level you're at. So I wondered if you would talk about that, your new viewpoint or vantage point from of the world from your seat and how people actually view you and what that's like, if you could give people that. <laughs> kind of makes, makes us laugh a, a couple times uh, because sometimes people, and, and it's, I think they just don't know how to ask what they want to ask. I think they're beating around the bush maybe, or I'm not sure, but they sometimes talk to you like you're seven. <laughs> and you're like, mm-hmm. I'm actually in my 20s. I'm just kind of shorter, so you can actually talk to me like an adult. <laughs> but I think they, they don't, maybe they're just, uncomfortable or don't know how to act. I work with children, so 
my tumbling studio that I have right now, I love working with these kids because these little four and five, six, seven-year-olds just come up and be like, why do you have that chair? <laughs> mm-hmm. I don't understand. Why don't, why don't your legs work? And then they ask, so I could punch you right now and you wouldn't feel it? And they said, well, as long as it's below the belly button, I won't feel anything. Um, but kids are just so innocent um, and they're just mm-hmm. so open and, and curious. And mm-hmm. I've noticed between children and adults, adults don't want to offend you and they and they don't want to cross lines or, or anything like that. And, you know, I'm just to the point, if you have a question, just ask me. I'm very open. <laughs> I don't, mm-hmm. You're not going to, but some people get offended, so they have to kind of be careful with it. Um, but it is, it, people do, not all, but some people do talk to you a little bit differently <laughs> until they get to know me. And then they see that I kind of joke about it and I'm pretty open and then everything's just as if it were before. So you mentioned, you know, you're back in the gym and, and you're working with children, so you're able to still be a coach. That's huge. That's a huge, I, I would say that's a huge win, a huge gift, um, given everything that's occurred. You still have your upper body strength, so you're able to still spot children using your arms, as you told me. So that's huge. Uh, and I want to say, you know, what, what inspires you and keeps you going through all, through all of this? Oh, I am, I am extremely blessed to have the upper body and, and the actual control of balance that I have for where my level of injury is. Um, and the thing that keeps me going is honestly that gym. <laughs> that gym and the hope of just helping and teaching somebody something more than just tumbling. I think um, that's kind of the, the neat thing about the chair and the accident and me getting back into tumbling and still being able to run the gym that I always ran before um, or was in before is I'm not just teaching tumbling anymore. I'm teaching don't give up. You can do anything you want. Just You might have to do things differently to children as young as four or as old as, you know, 18 or 19. Um, mm-hmm. and, and that's a feeling that makes makes me understand that maybe this is why that happened. Maybe this is why... I was put in this chair so that I can make a difference in in more ways than one, you know, whether it's in the gym teaching those two things or when I'm out public speaking doing that kind of stuff, helping, you know, a student in the audience or, or a, a, a employee at this corporate event say, you know, she can do it. I can do anything I want to do. So that's mm-hmm. it's the, the hope of me helping others, I think, that keeps me going. <laughs> Yeah, and what what kind of self talk do you do you say to yourself? And you know, being an athlete, you're you know pretty resilient. That was you know that's how that goes. Pretty tough mindset when you put your mind up to something. You you really want to reach the end point, reach the goal. So what what self talk do you talk you know say to yourself to keep you going through through the bad you know through the not so good days, the bad days? I always say that, um, and some people think it's cliche, but I always say today may be a bad day but I'm having a day. You know, like I said before, a lot of people aren't blessed with tomorrows. A lot of people don't get to try to correct their quote-unquote failures, Um, Mm -hmm. and I get that chance. So, yeah, maybe today I am having a bad day, but I can pull through this and I can try again tomorrow and try a different different angle and maybe, you know, succeed Mm -hmm. at it. Um, In our gym, in our tumbling gym, all over the place we have – signs that have I can't crossed out so you can't say that in our gym and Mm -hmm. that's kind of been the same thing I've been living by for you know the last seven years is 
I dare you to tell me I can't. <laughs> I love mm-hmm. when people say you can't do something because proving them wrong is one of my favorite things to do. <laughs> so, so you're carrying um, the message from your doctor who told you prove me wrong. <laughs> yeah. Right? <laughs> so sort of filtering through. And um, yep. that, that's I think that's the secret is you just have to keep pushing. Um, mm-hmm. It's not going to be easy, but life isn't easy if you're walking. So it's really not any different. You just have to keep going. Because you're, you, you know, you live, you're living really a full life. I mean, considering, like I said, the event, the accident, you that was 2008. You've since graduated college with a degree, and um, you know, I'd like to talk about that. And so, I mean, you, you know, you're right in, engaged in life with your peer group. You know, you didn't, I mean, except for the rehab, no offense, you really haven't missed a beat. You, you graduated oh, Wayne State in 2010. Yeah, absolutely. You, you graduated Wayne State in 2010. So, um, let, you know, let's share that with the listeners, too. It, you're, you're really uh, resilient and unstoppable. And that was, and, and, and half of the reason is because of the wonderful people I've met that have introduced me to all of these different activities that I can still you know, participate in. My rec therapist at the hospital has shown me so many opportunities. You know, I've been water skiing. I've played tennis. I've attempted basketball. I'm much better at sports when I had legs, though I'm not that good in a chair. Um, I've coached wheelchair basketball. Um, I've been bike riding. We can. They have hand cycles that make it easy for us to, to you know, bike ride. I drive. I have a Ford 50 or F-150 truck that I drive. Um, and that's just because other people have shown me the things that I can do, have shown me the things that I can have. That would have been really hard for me to figure out on my own. It's just the people I let in my life have really shown me many incredible opportunities that I'm so blessed to have have tried and, and been a part of. That's awesome. And like I said, you did graduate Wayne State in 2010 with a degree, and then if you like to tell the listeners what that was like or what your degree is in or any of that, give it. That's that's a really wonderful accomplishment. Thanks. Yeah, when I went back to college, I graduated, like you said, in uh, May of 2010, so two years after the accident. Um, and I did graduate with a, a counseling degree. I'm not doing much with it <laughs> right now. Um, I don't have a job, you know, as a counselor or anything, but I, I do feel that it does um, kind of shine through when I am speaking or, you know, just with the people that I've met in chairs that may be having a hard time and may not fully believe in themselves yet. I kind of use what I was taught and what I've been through to kind of make them see the light also and that they can do anything kind of like I can. Um, and I, mm-hmm. I would like to think that that's what my education is being used for at this moment. Someday I would like to um, be in a, in a hospital-type setting and be a rehab counselor because I feel that um, someone rolling into the office of someone else who's in a wheelchair, who's sitting and all of that might instantly feel more comfortable and willing to talk about what they may be struggling with um, just because we're both in the same position um, mm-hmm. as opposed to um, wheeling into someone standing, which is what I did. And she was extremely nice and she was great at her job, but to be honest, the first thought I thought was, what are you going to know about my situation? <laughs> Because mm-hmm. you're able-bodied and you're 100% healthy and I'm half 
of a body, <laughs> not healthy. So that would be my ultimate goal um, to be able to do that, but you have to have your master's, and I've kind of slacked on that part of my life. <laughs> I, wouldn't say you've been slacking. I wouldn't say you've been slacking. You have a full gym with kiddos. You're, you're making a large impact in the world right there. <laughs> yeah, and it seems like it's pretty full from what you tell me. Um, I'd like to go back and you know, talk about the you know, your love story when you when you actually walked on the island. They didn't, we were going to actually bring John on, so I don't know if he's available. Um, we thought that might right. be nice for the listeners to hear hear the voice of the band that we see <laughs> on the video, the, your uh, your husband that yes, we walked on the aisle to. be great. One. Are you there, John? Yeah, hi, Karen. Hi. Good evening, and thank you for being here. So I thought the uh, listeners might really enjoy hearing hearing from you as well. You you are a team, and um, if you want to enlighten the listeners, we all, like I said, know about the love story that unfolded and we saw in the media and on YouTube. But I, I would like to really ask, you know, when did you meet, and were your friends before? And um, so I wondered if you'd be willing to share that with the listeners. Yeah, sure. We were uh, <clears throat> we knew each other. We weren't great friends, but we went to high school together uh, originally. So I was quite a bit older than her, and we went to high school for a year together. And uh, we knew of each other. Um, her, I actually, her older brother was just a couple years older than me, so I knew him a little bit better. Um, <clears throat> but we had the high school thing. Then you know, we all, I went off to college, and we never really talked to each other much. Never really saw much of each other, and. Uh, I actually remember seeing Gina the week before her accident. We had randomly ran into each other um, at a bar, and uh, it's kind of a funny story. I'd like to tell this to everybody, but (laughs) I walked into the bar and saw this girl standing there, and I thought, wow, who is that? And I hadn't seen Gina in probably four years, maybe five years, something like that. And I asked a buddy of mine, he goes, oh, that's Gina Jeffaloni. And so I walked up to her, and I put my arm around her, and I said, Gina, how come we've never dated? And she just kind of looked at me and said, oh, knock it off. <laughs> and that was kind of it. Well, then I found out a week later that she had gotten in an accident. <clears throat> and, you know, that was a, a horrible thing. Um, but she came back just like everybody knew she would from it um, with a better attitude, an even better attitude. Um, and then it was a, probably a few years later, um, I had, her dad is a photographer, and I used to see him at um, the local MMA fights and different events and things like that. And... Uh, um, I was just asking him one day how she was doing, and he had said, yeah, she had moved back from <clears throat> graduated college and just moved back and, and whatnot. And so I decided to send her a message to see how she was doing, and it kind of, I don't know, went from there. We started talking, started dating, and uh, the rest is history, I guess. Well, yeah, that, that's what I was going to ask, you know, so with everything that had occurred and everything that had gone on, like, you know, why then, why now, you know, and and you, you just followed through. It's interesting. You definitely had a spark. You knew when you saw it. It sounds like that night in the bar, and then yes. you moved yes, from sure. there. And you know, I'd like to. Think that it was God's way of straightening me out and calming me down. Maybe that that uh, we weren't together when we were younger because it might not have worked out as well. Yeah, they always say right. There's a right and perfect time for everything, and sometimes we don't always know what that looks like or feels like, and until it's there. So, yeah, absolutely right. Yeah, and that you know it had to be a challenge. I mean, you know, for for you, for Gina. I mean, talk about first date jitters, and here's this young woman who's now who who knew you, you know, as she refers to you know able bodied, definitely mobile, and now, you know, in a wheelchair. So, 
you know, she's very dependent on you um, for lots of things. You know, talk about nerves on the first date, right? Well, that, that's... a lot of people, there's, there's kind of a misconception. Um, she, you know, when we first started dating, she was living by herself. Um, she had her own job. Uh, she was doing everything on her own. So um, I never really did much for her. I mean, I, and even to this day, I mean, there's still there's stuff I do for her, obviously. But for the most part, um, she's very independent. In fact, I think some people that don't know us <clears throat> probably think I might be a jerk because there's certain things that I don't help her with. But if you look at it from the other angle, if you were in a wheelchair, would you want somebody waiting on you hand and foot? You know, she's a very independent person, so she wants to do certain things on her own, and I just kind of let her do her thing. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, back to when we first started dating, I, the, the chair, I don't know. I, I guess the chair was never an issue. I never even thought twice about it because her personality, um, her, her beauty, inner and exterior is, is amazing, and I just never saw it that way, I guess. She's just been a great person. She's always brought out the best in me, and from the first night that we hung out, I felt that. And the chair was never, um, I, you know, I've had people ask me before if, if I think it's, a, uh, you know, like an, a hindrance or, you know, it's kind of a pain, but it, it's not really. It's just kind of part of us, you know, not just mm-hmm. her. It's part of us, and it's, and it's um, I don't know, it, it's... It, it, it was never an issue. I guess that's the only thing I can really say. Right. It just kind of, that was her, you know, that was her life, and I was going to be a part of it. Right. Well, you see, Gina has a hole, like you said, and then I think the chair is, you know, an, an accessory. You know, definitely a necessity, but it's also an accessory. You don't see that, like you said, that the world would, you know, like, oh, you know, it's just, um, you know, it's work, it's a burden, it's not. You you see her as a whole person, I think. You know, and that's the truth and the beauty of the whole story. Yes, she she defied the odds walking down the aisle to you, understandably, and that is beautiful. But, the re- you know, I think a real beautiful gift is that you see someone wholly and completely, you know, with, with the with, you know, her diagnosis, with, with what happened, and, and you honor and love her completely. And and that that's the real beauty in all of it is that you, you come together, you're a team, and, um, you know, the love that you see in the video, is, it's palpable, and it, it's such a beautiful story. It really is. And um, with that, I'd like to see, you know, what are, what are your plans for the future for the two of you? Well, I don't know. I, I guess I'll let Gina talk about this. <laughs> okay. All right. We are actually expecting our first child in January of 2016. Um, so that that's the main future goal plan, I guess. <laughs> um, there's a lot to learn. There's a lot to figure out. Um, but I know that John and I can pretty much get through anything we set our mind to. Um, I'm not. Mm-hmm. I'm nervous, but I think every expectant mother is nervous. He's nervous, but I think that's absolutely normal for expectant fathers. But um, I, I think we're going to do just fine, um, but that's that's what we're planning for. That's our, you know, and, and to keep growing our business and, you know, tumbling and, and speaking and he farms and, and all that sort of stuff. So um, I guess our goal is just to keep on living and expand our family and grow a healthy, happy little family. <laughs> that's so beautiful. That's so beautiful. How far, how far along are you, if I may ask? I am 21 weeks. So, oh, that's so exciting. Beautiful. <laughs> the that's beautiful. Getting sick and being really tired, that's all over. Now I'm oh. just trying to adjust to the weight gain and 
the belly and the chair and transfers and all that kind of stuff, but um, it's all for a beautiful reason, so I wouldn't change it mm-hmm. for the world. Mm-hmm. And you're still with the gym coaching, right? You're still at the gym. You still have busy days, full days with that, and like you said, then you, you speak. Um, you do speak to groups, right? Yes. Yep, yep. And, and um, we just actually started our fall tumbling today, so we started some classes, and we'll get that going strong from now through the end of April. Um, and then, yeah, public speaking, that kind of picks up with school school year, you know, being in and um, just talk to a couple of the organizations over the weekend that I'm going to be speaking at. So hopefully we can get all of that to, to kind of blossom and and keep doing us, I guess. <laughs> and, and, you know, to go back to the gym real quickly to tell the listeners, so what kind of programs do you offer? Because you, you um, have a wide age range from 4 to 18. So what kind of services and programs do you offer at at the gym? It's strictly just power tumbling. Um, Everybody learns the same thing, and then as they they progress, they move up into levels. So, you know, our four- and five-year-olds start with forward and back rolls and cartwheels, and then you move on up the scale to front handsprings, back handsprings, aerials, all this kinds of stuff, and in hopes, you know, of – a few kids making some mistakes and creating some new moves. That's kind of the the thing in our gym is if you make a mistake and the move looks good, you have to name it because you just created a move. <laughs> so really there's lots of lots of new things and exciting things, but everybody starts basically at the same same spot no matter the age. You know, you're always going to learn the basics to keep them safe. So it's just um, basically it's a very individualized sport. We're not we're not associated with the school or anything like that. So um, it's it's very much focused on how how well you want to do, you know, and how much effort you put into it, and and, and we can coach you along the way. And it's that, I think that's why it's one of my favorite things is it's just so individualized. It's all it's all about you <laughs> when you're there. Nice. Well, you grew up tumbling. Your dad was your coach when you were young, and right when you were learning to tumble. So now you're you're carrying on. You're kind of carrying on the legacy, if you will, that way. Um, do you still get the high from coaching, the high that you've got from tumbling? I do. I do. It's a little bit more stressful being on this end of it. <laughs> um, I My dad actually tumbled with me in a group um, until he was in his 40s, and then he had his knees replaced and, and kind of took out that ever happening. But um, it was it's funny because I always used to, I remember always seeing my dad making these faces on the side, you know, like I scared him because I tumbled off the mat or something like that or or, you know, it, it was, but it's fun when you're the tumbler because you're, like, doing all this cool stuff. Well, now I'm in dad's shoes, and now I have kids that are tumbling off the mats and giving me heart attacks, and I'm, not, I'm terrified on his side. You know, I can see where, where his facial expressions came from. I, I think I have quite a bit of the same ones, um, but it does. It, being able to still coach it and be at those, shows where we where we have our kids tumbling at half times of games, just seeing their smiles on their faces and seeing the smiles in the crowd, it gives me the same feeling I had when I was out there doing it with them. It's just I'm on the other side of it now. Oh, that's awesome. Thank you. And um you know, I just wonder through our conversation today, is there one takeaway that you would hope the listeners would gain from, from our conversation today? I've thought about this a lot over the past couple of weeks since we've been talking and I think honestly it it's got to be what I what I always say is to keep pushing and let 
don't let today's failures be a negative thing. Use it as fuel for tomorrow's success, and that's kind of the best way that I can say it um, because everybody's going to fail at something at some point. It's just we can't look at it as a negative thing. You have to look at it as it didn't work this way. Let's try again tomorrow and change a few things about it because it's a starting point. So um, all in all, keep pushing and, and don't let those failures overcome you would be my, my advice to others. I, I completely understand. And, you know, my, one of my sayings that kind of come for me and I've shared with you is I would say, you know, the gift is a shift and um, it sounds like you have, a, you, know, you have a very full life. And so can I ask what, um, besides obviously marrying John, because it's a gift, was there a gift in all of this for you, do you think? And I think you touched yes. on that earlier. Yes, and it's the gift is tomorrow. <laughs> tomorrow, are, every tomorrow is my gift, um, and I need to use it to my full advantage to um, to make it worth it, to make it the best gift I can have. And every day I get a new gift. So um, I, I think my gift is every tomorrow and every kid or every person that I can help along the way. And. You know, we're coming, the program's coming to a close, so I want to um, highlight your information so that people can reach you. Uh, are you are you accepting people for tumbling? And, and you're in Iowa, so I don't know how yes. full your, the gym is, sounds like it's pretty full. But yes. um, as of right now, we currently have a waiting list. So. You do? Oh. Yes. Okay. And if they want to contact you for any uh, speaking engagements, Gina has... You can visit my website at www.perfectlyimperfectgina.com, and the contact me on there will go straight to my email. That's perfect. That is awesome, and uh, I look forward to that, and I know I've asked you to come on after you have the baby. I think that would be wonderful. would love to uh, hear from you again and share all of this and hear, hear about the baby. It's, um, you, you shared with me the other day, you, you you don't, how did you put it? You, you don't want to know the sex. You had a really cute way of phrasing that. We don't get a lot of surprises in life, so we didn't want it to take this one away from us, and a lot of good surprises. Yeah, we, we John and I both have talked a lot about it. Uh, we could have found out last week what we, what we were having, but like I said, we don't get many good surprises in life as a human race, so we didn't want to take that one away from us. Mm-hmm. And as long as the baby's healthy, we're happy. <laughs> nice. So for the future, you see yourself obviously becoming a mom and still being a coach in the gym and having a large family, I would assume, it sounds like, right? You, well, you want to be a mom to many, it sounds like. You have a big heart and a lot of love. Yeah, maybe like three. <laughs> <laughs> but we we that's that's our goal is to keep living our life and 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 raise respectful smart healthy little little ones. <laughs> nice. Like I said, you certainly are not uh, limited or bound by a diagnosis or or the chair that you know you sit in. Like I said, like I when I think of that for you, it's more of an accessory. And yeah, it's a necessity because it holds your position a lot of the time. But it isn't; it doesn't define you at all. You're uh, you have a bright, resilient soul that shines, and you have a big heart. 
and you look, mm-hmm. you know, when, you. They, when they think of so yeah, much. when they think of you, you're 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 so much more than um, the six minutes of fame that they gave you a year ago. And I'm, <laughs> I'm so on- you are. And I'm so Thank honored you. to know you, to share this time with you. I, I really am. I, I can't wait. So, um, the honor is truly all ours, just hearing your story and everything that you do. And your your show is, is such an amazing thing. That's exactly what we need more of, is more of positivity and inspirational stuff out there because a lot of what we see is negative. So I want to thank you for believing in our story and, and um, giving me the opportunity to to be blessed in your presence. I truly appreciate oh. it. I assure you it, it's reciprocal because this is a labor of love that this whole process is, I, I do this with love in my heart that, and um, it's to inspire and empower people to reach for more, whatever they have going on in their life. And it doesn't actually that. have to be an accident, a physical accident or anything. It can be just, as you put it, a bad day. I want to reach, I want to inspire people and reach people to, to reach for more. That's why this show is aptly titled, The Sky's the Limit. And you are a shining star in that sky, my dear Gina. And I have been blessed with your presence and John tonight on the <laughs> show. And it would be great um, once you have the baby, you can let me know and we'll have you come back. I would love that. So thank you. And thank you, everyone, for tuning in. Thank you for joining us for The Sky's the Limit. Karen Levitt looks forward to having you tune in for another program next Wednesday at 5 p.m. Pacific Time and 8 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Remember, the gift is the shift. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.